This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 5th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Central bank stress tests of the banking system aren't credible because no central banks want to say that the banking system is less than solid. And the models used to test the banks are routinely gamed. That's the conclusion of Kevin Dowd, author of Alchemists of Loss. He's also a Cato Institute adjunct scholar. We spoke today. The idea of splitting a sandwich with somebody involves uh, quite often this simple set of rules, which is I cut, you choose. And that gives me a clear incentive to uh, deal as fairly as possible because I know that you're going to choose the bigger half. It seems that when you make those kind of models more complicated, maybe they uh, offer more opportunities for people to game them. And that's essentially the point I think that you're making when it comes to stress testing of banks uh, undertaken by central banks around the world. So what what are the problems that you see with the stress tests that have been undertaken uh, here in the United States by the Federal Reserve and uh, I assume the ECB and other central banks? Well, the first point is that models are very, very gameable. And they're very easy to game, and it's very easy to hide the gaming from the client who might be essentially the taxpayer. So, for example, if you had a bunch of mortgage junk, you can uh, easily fiddle the probability of default uh, in the the portfolio. Uh, You can fiddle with the sample uh, that you choose, choose the right. It's very easy for an expert to, to calibrate the model in a way that appears to be scientific and objective, but really fulfills the ulterior objective of ensuring that junk looks like uh, a, you know, triple A. Yeah. So in, in, in one specific example, uh, and this goes, this, there's a, this requires a lot of unpacking. So mm-hmm. one of the requirements that banks have is to hold capital. And uh, leverage is essentially capital held versus what you've got loaned out. Yes. So, uh, and then there are different kinds of capital. Absolutely. And capital carries different weights. Absolutely. A key problem with the capital regulation, it's based on ideas of risk weighting, which are based on models. And the models are often, often have the most strange risk weights, including zero for Greek debt. Greek debt, I believe, is still zero weighted. In other meaning, words, meaning you don't have to knock anything off yes. uh, of the capital value uh, if if it is government debt. And it's just a categorical difference, right? Government debt versus private debt. Yes. It's basically saying that if it's OECD government debt, that is considered to have a zero risk of default. Therefore, you don't have to have any capital against it. So if you load up on a load of Greek debt, traditionally, it would appear to be completely safe. So the capital requirement on that was zero. But there's a deeper problem. It has to do with the dependence of any capital requirements on any form of risk model. And what one needs to understand are two things. First off, that the risk models do not work. In fact, the risk models have a negative value added, that the the risk models essentially hide the risks, is what I'm trying to say. That's the first point. So that uh, the lower the risk weight, the greater the risk. People don't realize this. The second point to realize is that risk all risk models are gameable. And so, uh, the people making risk decisions have an incentive to game the models that are used to control them. 
And this happens throughout the financial markets and especially with the stress tests. As with bond rating agencies, there are other agencies that are charged with putting grades on various uh, institutions. So uh, bond rating agencies will rate corporate debt and say, this is AAA, this is AA, this is single A, this is triple B. And those are people who are now chartered by the government to make those decisions. They didn't used to be. Mm -hmm. And it seems that we all use proxies yeah. to make decisions about what we think is good or bad, be it consumer reports or underwriters laboratories or any other number of organizations that are in the business of assessing quality. Mm -hmm. And so we outsource a lot of our judgment. Yes. But when we get into the business of having government being the sole determinant of who gets to be the, the source of the judgment to which you outsource yours, mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be the problem. That's part of the problem. It's a key. It is a major problem because the market for um, ratings is compromised by the constraints of a government-sponsored cartel. But there are further problems, and a key problem being that the, uh, the rating agencies are incentivized to please their clients. And their clients want good ratings. So in effect, the, uh, there's a game going on in which the rating uh, bond issuers can shop around and pressure agencies uh, to give them uh, easy rides and therefore hide the risks that are being taken. So what are the costs to a bad mo a model that proves itself to be bad in terms of providing a stress test for banks and the banking system? A stress test is meant to give you, if you like, a warning of danger. Think of it as a radar system. But it's a radar system that's blind to the risks that are being taken. So if you think of the Titanic going out there in the North Atlantic, and it has a radar system to detect icebergs that is blind to icebergs, there is a false sense of comfort because the, the nothing is showing up on the iceberg. It would be far better to get throw the, the radar overboard and post a few people on deck to look out. So a key problem here is not so much that the, the, the stress tests and the risk models are useless, but they're worse than useless because they provide false risk comfort, which is exactly what you do not want. Right. You want the system. When people say you, we want you to have confidence in the system, it, it, uh, they can mean a couple of different things by that. Like I can have confidence in a system where there's lots of bankruptcies. Uh -huh. I can have confidence in a system that I feel like the government is really doing its job, making sure that everything is functioning properly. But those are those, in some cases, I think you're saying are mutually exclusive Absolutely. to the extent that judgment used by banks to assess their own risk is being replaced by government mandated modeling. Absolutely. A key, fee, a key function of the stress tests is so that the central bank can um, demonstrate that the financial system is sound and that you can be confident that your bank and the banking system is sound. That only works if the stress test itself is credible. So think of a Soviet election. When the result comes out, the Communist Party wins. Therefore, it was a fair election. 
The problem with the stress test is that the central bank cannot ever come out with a result other than that the system is sound because we're doing a good job. And in fact, there is no single case where any central bank has come out with a stress test and said, I'm sorry, guys, but the banking system is up the creek. But there are many times where they've come out with stress test results and say, don't worry, everything is sound. We saw that in Europe, in Iceland in 2008, the entire Icelandic banking system was signed off as sound by stress tests, collapsed three months later. In Europe, the Irish banking system was signed off by European stress tests as sound, collapsed a little bit later. The Cypriot banking system was signed off by stress tests as sound, collapsed later. So a hat trick of three entire national banking systems was signed off as sound by stress tests and then collapsed, not to mention loads of other banks. So th- this, this you assign uh, very clearly to the incentives of the people who are conducting the tests because it's partially their job to make sure the banking system is sound. It's they're, grading, yeah. they're grading their own papers. They're grad- yeah, it's like, that's a nice way to put it. They're grading their own, their own papers and they always pass. And their incentive is, is to send out the message that the banking system is sound. We're doing a good job. Don't worry. And when the banking system collapses, their attitude is, oh, dear, what a surprise. Wonder what happened there. And they just signed it off. As complicated as the banking system is with all of these interlocking parts and different weights being assigned to capital that, uh, that banks hold, and that, that, of course, has its own uh, the incentive problems associated with how those weights are assigned using like Basel standards uh, and, and others. Uh, how do we get to a system where the agent in charge of conducting these kinds of stress tests is credible to the public? You, a central bank stress test can never be credible because of the incentives built in to, to get a pass result regardless of whether that is justified or not. And there is no single case where that a central bank has ever come out with a, a result to say that the, sen- the banking system has failed. In addition, any stress test rec- implies a regulatory risk management standard that everybody should do as we say they should do. And that in itself is inherently destabilizing. It forces all the banks to f- uh, follow the, the model that is preferred by the central bank So everybody takes the same risks, everybody takes the same mistakes, and the system becomes increasingly blind to the risks that the models cannot see. And they become the black swans that that nobody predicts. Yes, exactly. It would be hard for the U.S. and uh, other countries to move away from having this modeling take place in any form, but what would be the biggest... uh, change that you would make to allow some sort of, I guess, a development of a new system, maybe a parallel system where there's no FDIC, there's no uh, any other protection for deposits that uh, depositors would make to say, well, you're on your own over here uh, and they're going to have to earn your trust. Yes. I mean, the root problem of excessive risk-taking is government intervention through FDIC and and similar uh, sort of interventions which protect the banks against the consequences of the risk they take. Stress testing and capital regulation is meant to be part of the process by which the government puts a lid on that risk-taking. 
But what people do not understand is that the capital regulation has since been captured by the banks and becomes a vehicle through which the banks can be decapitalized uh, by the banks without anybody knowing it. So good financial engineer can decapitalize the banks without the regulators having a clue what's going on. So the, 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 there is an inbuilt government-created incentive to excess risk-taking and of course, you've got to take account of F, uh, too big to fail and all that stuff. A social contract that rewards banks for failure, and then the taxpayer picks it up. Now, obviously, we can't uh, get a, a stable banking system till we, uh, re we remove all of these inbuilt incentives to excess risk-taking. But we've got to start somewhere. And a good place to start would be to abolish the stress tests themselves. The stress tests are sleepwalking the United States into, into a very dangerous situation where the system appears to be safe but cannot possibly be safe, in which there's a, an increasing systemic risk which is, uh, to which the risk models are blind. So I do think the first step is to, is to require the Fed to stop stress testing. A second step is to require the Fed to abolish, to, to stop doing any risk modeling whatsoever including get out of the Basel system. The Basel system's insanely wedded to risk modeling. It's completely bonkers. If, if we are on a, a sort of roll in terms of radical reform, we should get rid of too big to fail, get rid of lender of last resort, get rid of um, deposit insurance, and put the strongest barriers towards government into future government in intervention in the banking system. So you uh, suggest that it, it would be better to have banks taking different risks. Absolutely. For the, sake, for the sake of the system, absolutely. it would be vastly preferable if banks were not all taking the same risks. Oh, absolutely. And what I'm saying is not some kind of uh, uh, sort of theory that hasn't been tested. If we look at the history of United States banking before the Federal Reserve, we had a system in which the banks took far fewer risks, took much more responsibility for the risks that they took. There was no central bank to intervene and, and, and meddle things up. There was no lender, uh, there was no uh, lender of last resort, there was no deposit insurance. And bankers were personally liable for the consequences of the mistakes that they made. It was, that is a model which has been tried in the United States pre-Fed, it wasn't far from perfect because of the restrictions of the national banking legislation and so on. But if we look at countries like Canada, north of the border, had a very good banking system with virtually no bank failures and was greatly envied in the United States. The, re the secret of Canada's success was the absence of any form of government intervention. And there are many other examples historically we can also point to. Kevin Dowd is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and author of Alchemists of Loss. You can read more on our troubled financial system at our website, cato.org.